0: Sometimes I wonder why I spent the lonely night, dreaming of a soul, the melody... Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my brother from another mother... Mr. Steve Basilopoulos. How are you, brother? Uh, I'm doing very good, sir. And you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Excited about today's show. I think it's definitely uh, the right time to be talking about our topic today, which obviously you can tell from the title is it's The Great Reset, which uh, has a lot of people talking about it, a lot of different concerns, a lot of different views on it. And uh, that's what we're going to do today is we're going to break it down from a couple different, maybe a few different standpoints. And uh am going to show you, pro, I guess, quote-unquote pros and cons of what could potentially come from a great reset and typically maybe not owning anything anymore.
1: Yeah, there's shows where I always uh, think, yeah, cool show. Um, I think this is a fantastic show. I don't think it's cool. I don't think what's, what we're about to talk about is cool at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, me and Steve, we did a show uh, called Utopia, and we were talking about it. Well, if it, uh, and Steve had mentioned, well, I would just like, I would like something to, to just give me, give me stuff, right? You know, in an ultimate utopia, you know. And it was a, it was a waterfall that ultimately.
1: It was the waterfall <laughs> like the, that gave all. Not a river, but, but it was the, a I, waterfall. Yeah, similar concept here, a little bit different. Um, this points
0: out. Okay, that may sound great, but make sure you're thinking of X, Y, Z in the meantime. Right, right, right.
1: So as an overview, uh, but let's get into the specifics. Yeah, let's do it because uh, there's one thing for
0: sure is that the Great Reset is only great for elites, and they're going to be the ones who want to control the future. The elites hate you. It's not personal. They just do. The elites hated your ancestors too. Whether your ancestors were African slaves in the New World, especially in Brazil, or serfs under the British, uh, 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 Steve, help me with that, I always get- Aristocracy. Aristocracy, I don't even know why we write it. Or peasants under the Russian czars, or slaves under the Chinese dynasties. Elites have extracted time and wealth from your family since before recorded history. Until, essentially, the end of World War I, elites owned everything. Take for example, The East India Company. A staff of 35 people controlled the fate of more than a hundred million Indians from five window offices in London. Lack of ownership for the masses. That was the problem. Whenever elites own everything, everyone else is shackled to horrible jobs just to survive, while the elites live in obscene luxury, with no thought to the misery and suffering of the masses. Sound familiar? In the wake of the global pandemic, Today's elites are taking back the planet they believe rightfully belongs to them and putting the rest of us back where they believe we belong, in economic chains. In January 2021, the hyper-elitist World Economic Forum, hosted by Prince Charles and sponsored by the glowing anti-democratic monopolists including BlackRock and J.P. Morgan, held its 50th annual meeting from the alpine slopes of the Davos, Switzerland. The theme was The Great Reset a proposal to rebuild the economy quote unquote sustainably in the wake of COVID-19. Every billionaire obsessed Forbes magazine had to admit their agenda was another example of wealthy, powerful elite slaving their consciousness with faux efforts to help the masses. And in the process, make themselves even wealthier and more powerful. You'll own nothing and be happy by 2030. All products will have become services. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. Shopping is a distant memory in the city of 2030, whose inhabitants have cracked clean energy and borrowed what they need on demand. It sounds utopian until she mentions that her every move is tracked outside the city. Live swashes of discontent in the ultimate depiction of society split in two. Notice the implicit threat towards the end play ball or suffer. And if the elites have their way, you won't own your own underwear in eight years or less. It's just slavery by another name. This of course begs the question, if we won't own anything, who will? Well, the answer is obvious. The elites will. And then they'll rent it back to us for top dollar, whatever the quote unquote market can bear. But obviously, the market can bear and what the people can bear are two different things entirely. Interestingly, a societal structure in which the vast majority own nothing and have to work for elites just to stay alive already has a name. It's called feudalism. And this is Feudalism 2.0. Have you noticed that the economy is rapidly shape shifting? During the pandemics, billionaires added more than 5.5 trillion to their net worth. If you chart the trajectory and do the math, you'll discover elites will control the entire global economy within our lifetime. Now, sadly, the goals of today's elites is the same as their ancestors, to enslave the world in order to extract maximum amount of time and wealth from every living being. Ownership matters. Without ownership, America's 115, 600, or 1,656,681 renters are at the whims of cruel landlords and of Airbnb takeovers. Without ownership. All of Tesla's 70,000 employees miss out on their $14 million in stake in the company they created, while Elon Musk makes $36 billion a day. Without ownership, millions of Walmart employees struggle to feed their families, while the billionaire Walton family enjoys corporate socialism on an unprecedented scale. Without ownership, people pay ever-increasing gas prices to get to work. The bottom billion go to bed hungry because of the slightest increase in grain prices. Women and children <coughs> prostitute their bodies to make ends meet. And a million people globally move into slums every single day. Without ownership, we don't get to own stuff. Not our houses, cars, clothes, music, movies, furniture, appliance, or books. Everything becomes pay-per-use. And if you can't pay, you don't get to lose, no matter what it is. Without ownership, every single one of us lives and dies by the market. When the price of energy spikes by 180 times... During a Texas blizzard, you can either freeze to death or you can take on a lifetime of debt. When the price of housing rises to $10 million in our lifetime, you can live on the streets or work three unpaid jobs just to keep a rotting roof over your head. When your child develops a life-threatening condition and private health insurance denies part or all of your claim, you can let your kid die or declare bankruptcy along with the hundreds of thousands of other American families every single year when the market price of water moves beyond what you can afford. The CEO of water companies think you don't deserve to drink water. Without ownership, people don't have stakes in the game. They aren't invested. They become rogue actors, prone to dissonance and violence and chaos. And why not? They didn't sign up for real life monopoly. Why not smash the board and shatter the pieces? Well, what's the end game? You're probably wondering. What's the point of feudalism 2.0? Is it really worth the hassle of retaking total ownership of the global economy and forcing the masses back into serfdom? It's not like it'll win you friends, make you happy, or let you live forever. So why bother? Because the elites are sad, broken, and delusional. They think that adding extra zeros on their net worth will somehow give them a peace of mind and contentment, true friendship, love, respect, and life purpose. And because owning the world can't and won't satisfy, once the masses are crushed, elites will continue their bloody game of thrones until the day they die. In a winner-take-all world, only one person can win. Is it time to go to war with the elites? There are three things we can do to resist the Great Reset. And remember, we have less than eight years. Vote with your time and money. The polls can't and won't save you from corporations that control Congress. We have to bankrupt them. The only way to do that is to stop giving them your money. No more shopping, no more banking, no more enriching predator corporations. Go local and independent. You can also join national strikes that are currently underway, refusing to contribute your time and talent to enrich multinational extractors. Amass owned assets, help others do the same and never sell. I'm talking productive businesses, houses, land, building supplies, water sources, power generation, renewable lumber, animals, seeds, real wealth. While you're at it, download every movie and song that you ever hope to watch, listen to more than twice. Otherwise, you'll be forced to rent these things for top dollar, and in doing so, further enrich the most corporate institutions and people on earth. Get offline and build relationships with real people. We need more friends. We need to build resilient micro-societies and entirely new anti-corporate, pro-common sovereignties. When feudalism 2.0 takes over the economy, we serfs are going to need each
1: other. And that's the truth right there. Man, I have so much to say about all of that. Go for it. Well, I mean, I see this happening in the uh, food delivery, like DoorDash. Right. Like... I see DoorDash succeeding really a lot, and it baffles me because it's unsustainable for a normal family to DoorDash as much as they do. And the pandemic made that tenfold, if not a hundredfold. And I, I don't mean to single. I'm. I mean. I'm just saying a food delivery app. I'm not singling DoorDash out. Right. But um, so that there's that which is kind of like this um this thing that we're talking about where you don't own anything like you're not making your own food anymore you're just kind of pressing a button and it's showing up there for you Um, and also the local so I really didn't understand buy local um, support local until someone in my family started a business and then I realized how many other business owners were coming to support them And then I kind of got it more now than I ever have in the past. There is a massive difference between the corporation that's providing you a service or the local person that's providing you a service. See, if you use the local person, you're helping to enrich your community and helping to strengthen your geographical region and the area around you because that person's using resources bought from around you and there's a little circle that kind of happens if you're using a huge corporation to get a goods or services that money is getting shipped off and it's being placed in the hands of one single family or one uh, or very potentially small amount of people um, that care nothing about you or not in your geographical reason region they're not helping with the circle or community around you. They really don't care about you at all. They're just taking your money and it's leaving your area when you can keep that money in a, in a localized region. So I agree with you folks. That's a great way to fight this great reset.
0: Well, sure. Because small ba- or small business is the backbone of, of any economy. And if you think about it, the hypocrisy, in my opinion, during the uh, pandemic and the lockdown was allowing these, elites to be it was okay to go into walmart and shop with lines that literally wrapped around the store but if you wanted to go into a bookstore or if you wanted to go get your hair cut or if you wanted to go get a slice of pizza somewhere you were what they were portraying was that you were breaking the law when of course that no law was ever passed here in the united states but it's crazy so but you know what? We're not we're not done. I mean, like we said, we're going to keep going into like different views on this and uh, portray it in a way of like this has already happened and this is what it's like. Doesn't it sound
1: wonderful and things like that nature? Steve, why don't you take us into this uh, next section? Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city. Or should I say, our city. I don't own anything, I don't own a car, I don't own a house, I don't own any appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you consider a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all things we need to live in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. First, communication became digitized and free to everyone. Then, when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. We started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker, and more convenient than a car. Now I can hardly believe that we accepted congestion and traffic jams, not to mention the air pollution and combustion from combustion engines. What were we thinking? Sometimes I use my bike when I go see some of my friends. I enjoy the exercise and the ride. It kind of gets the soul to come along on the journey funny how some things seem to never seem to lose their excitement walking biking cooking drawing growing plants it makes perfect sense and reminds us of how our culture emerged of a close relationship with nature this also made the breakthrough of the circular economy easier when products are turned into services no one has an interest in things with a short lifespan. Everything is designed for durability, repairability, and recyclability. The materials are flowing more quickly in our economy and can be transformed to new products pretty easily. Environmental problems seem far away since we only use clean energy and clean production methods. The air is clean, the water is clean, And no one would dare touch the protected areas of nature because they constitute such value to our well-being. In the cities, we have plenty of green space and plants and trees all over. I still do not understand why in the past we filled all free spots in the city with concrete. Shopping? I can't really remember what it is. For most of us, it has been turned into choosing things to use. Sometimes I find this fun. And sometimes I just want the algorithm to do it for me. It knows my tastes better than I do by now. When AI and robots took over so much of our work, we suddenly had time to eat well and sleep well and spend time with other people. The concept of rush hour made no sense to us anymore since the work that we can do is can be done at any time. I don't really know if I would call it Work anymore. It is more like thinking time, or creation time, or development time. For a while, everything was turned into entertainment, and people did not want to bother themselves with difficult issues. It was only at the last minute we found out how you, how to use all of these new technologies for better purposes than just killing time. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city. Those that we lost along the way. Those who decided that it became too much all this technology. Those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs. Those who got upset with our political system and turned against it. They live different kind of lives outside of our city. Some have formed self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in empty and abandoned houses in small villages. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere, everything I do, think, and dream is recorded. I just hope that nobody will use it against me. All in all, it is a good life. Much better than the path we were on, where it became so clear that we could not continue with the same model of growth. We had all these terrible things happening, like lifestyle diseases, climate change, the refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest, and unemployment. We lost way too many people before we realized that we could do things differently. It's
0: so crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, just talking about like societies like this, I mean, that would be you would hope that let's say in the, in, if this happened and you were living in these societies, that there would be enough people to even fill these societies because what scientists are saying right now is that less people are being born into the world now than ever before. Yeah. And they're saying that they're, they're worried about that because how, how does the world go on? Because, um, you don't, you don't get a shortage of, of, of old people. You get it's just a shortage of young people. And then then what? I mean, it's crazy that we could possibly be living in a time right now where it's the most people that are ever going to be on the earth all at one time. Because if people are having less children, and obviously we're all getting older and we're all going to perish, uh, what happens to the world? Can they, Or is that part of what they're hoping so that... Be, getting in control and staying in control of you in these micro cities that provide quote unquote everything for you meanwhile you're being tracked and and everything's being recorded and who knows if you're being put on to um like what i believe they're doing in china right now which is a what a social credit score where if you're not the best type of citizen that you can be are you getting in arguments or you didn't tip the rental service or whatever well then you get knocked down a peg and i think they might have even did a show like that uh or an episode on black mirror gosh so much in black mirror has actually come to fruition it's actually scary but uh it's uh it may sound like yeah that's great i don't want to have to go to work per se anymore well i think that you would have to go more because now you have to rent everything and you're making everything uh like in um what's that movie that we were talking about with, uh, um, Sylvester Stallone, the demolition man, everything, everything becomes Taco Bell. And like we mentioned, or Steve mentioned in that last segment of all the people that didn't come along because they didn't like the AI anymore. I mean, you break that down. That's, that's pretty much the resistance, the people that were, that didn't want this, that are fighting against it. And, you know, I find myself a lot of the time having conversations with people saying that, uh, you know the good uh, the good guys are only the good guys in the movies i mean you, if you have anything that you protest against today no matter what side you're on another side is going to be like you're this that and the other thing and it's just like no that's that's not the case i'm resisting and it should be accepted on some level as long as he, it can be kept peaceful for the for the most matter but
1: well, what what those people don't understand is um, generally speaking both sides are of a different breed of people than the people that just sit on the couch and watch those things happening on the news. Very true. So it doesn't matter which side of a subject you're on, if you're out there and you're protesting and taking action, you're both winning because you are both expressing yourself and fighting for what you believe in.
0: Exactly.
1: The the, the problem is with the people that just sit back and take it. Oh, yeah, the
0: couch surfers and the uh, the The keyboard warriors. Yeah, the keyboard cowboys. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, it's frustrating to say the least. Ben, I think that the people like that, sometimes that don't really have a position other than than hating on somebody else, uh, they would fare well in a world where everything is given to them because then what would they really have to complain about anymore or would it give them more time to just loathe on others? I mean, for me – a world like that, not owning anything, is not the way to go.
1: It's kind of like Apple. The uh, phone, they have whatever, Samsung or uh, Droid, I guess, is the base that, that everything else is. And then the Apple has become so popular because everything gets vetted before it gets on iTunes or whatever iTunes is called now, Apple Store. Um, the it's a closed uh, system, so everything is just the way you want it. Everything is ex- – it's homogeneous. Everything is exactly the same. It's the same for everyone. You can pick up an Apple product and use anybody's, whereas a Droid has a little bit more of a, an open format so people can do different things with their phones and make them unique and different. And it's seemingly uh, Apple doing so well, uh, biggest – biggest company in the world uh trillion dollar market cap it seems that people just want to pick the same the one that's the same right and ultimately
0: you you want to have ownership of that because what happens in 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 a world where you don't have ownership over anything then there can't really be a stock market because if if i support apple products and i want to make the sting a little bit less uh when i purchase all these apple products well, I feel a lot better if I, if I owned some of Apple and I own some of their stock. So every time I'm paying for that company, in, in, in a small way, I'm paying myself too. But there wouldn't be any of that. There would be no investing. There would just be renting. And I think it would be terrible. But we still, we still got a little ways to go. I'm going to jump into this next section. Prominent economic thinkers are backing the shared economy as fundamental to all our futures. Seven years, the culture of ownership will have changed dramatically, and people will simply not buy stuff the way they do today. That's the conclusion of a contributor to the World Economic Forum who has predicted that by 2030, we will no longer own quote-unquote stuff, but rather rent it. Ida Alkin, a Danish MP and contributor to the Forum's Global Future Councils, suggests that in the future, people will use her living room for meetings while she goes to work. She said, once in a while, I will choose to cook for myself, she writes. It is easy. The necessary kitchen equipment is delivered at my door within minutes. Why keep a pasta maker and crepe cooker crammed into our cupboards? We can just order them when we need them. Now, I was saying to Steve Darn pre-show when we were going over everything, um, I think that the reason that you would want to own a pasta maker would be because now you can make pasta more often versus like when you use a food service now uh you know most families it's you know few and far between like i don't feel like cooking tonight like on a friday but that would turn into all the time you wouldn't you wouldn't rent the pot when you can just get the food delivered exactly i mean it's it's just baffling there's people that eat sheets
1: every day and if you're not familiar with sheets it's It's like a wawa convenience store right a convenience store but they have fantastic food um fantastic tasting food i don't know correct it's not that good for you right i don't know what the uh, nutritional value of the food is but it is super convenient it's got a screen you touch what food you want its value you stand there and then they hand it to you right so why take the time of making a dinner or uh going out and shopping for the food to make a dinner when it's just as easy, it's way, way easier um, to just push a button and get it.
0: And if you think about it, but it destroys so many jobs too. Because, sure, you can order restaurant or food from this restaurant. The only people there are the cooks. There's no staff. There's no waitresses that, you know, any any man or woman can basically get a job somewhere making a living on, on waiting tables and... Uh, then that's gone. That's more control. Now, it's a bold prediction, given, that we're widely accused of hoarding stuff right now. Countless magazine articles and self-help books advise people against the dangers of suffocation, and environmental agencies warn against our rampant consumerism. Self-storage units were virtually unheard of 30 years ago, But now the industry is worth an estimated 440 million lira, according to the Self-Storage Association of the UK. And that's just the major players. There's also at least one startup matching up people's empty attics with other people's overspill. Yet there's some evidence that the tide is beginning to turn. In fact, officials suggest our obsession with buying stuff has peaked. Data from the Office of National Statistics shows that the amount of stuff we buy, as measured by weight, fell from 15.1 ton per person in 2001 to 10.3 tons per person by 2013. But if we aren't buying items, how will we use them? Ready, set, share. The sharing economy, as it has become known, has been growing for several years, especially within London and other larger cities. The Office for National Statistics reports that the sector was worth half a billion lira in 2014, but estimates it it will be worth as much as nine billion lira by 2025. Steve, did you want to jump in?
1: Yeah, it, the we can just call them dollars. The, that's close enough. Maybe British pounds or just whatever. It's a a measurement of money. Right. Right. Right.
0: Price Coopers goes on further, predicting growth of more than 30% or 30, yeah, 30% a year between 2015 and 2025. It says that the industry could be generating $18 billion in revenue for the platforms by then, and facilitating around $140 billion worth of transactions in the UK alone. In the UK, there are websites that allow users to share property, storage space, cars, designer clothes and handbags, power tools, and more. And new startups spring up almost every week. Research from Lloyds Bank has revealed that a third of people now using sharing economy services of some sort are one in ten UK adults offers shared services. Holidays lets are the most common by far. It found that. Although this industry is still arguably in its infancy, growing numbers of people are supplementing their incomes this way, with annual earnings averaging $411 for accommodation, for $118 for a car, or even $116 for renting out the family pet. Pet. Anthony Eskenazi, CEO of Just Park, which helps users rent out their empty driveways, said participation in the sharing economy shows no signs of slowing, and it's easy to see why. It offers consumers cheaper, more flexible alternatives, traditional business models, while providing an opportunity to generate income from underused assets. Here's my question, though. <clears throat> with, uh, with what uh, that CEO of Just Park about renting people's driveways, well, that would seem to me that you're
1: living in suburbia. So, where are you living that you need to park your car in my driveway? No, there's, um, like, parking in the city is really uh, expensive. Right. Like, especially if it's privatized. And there are plenty of houses that have that uh, elevated first floor, then a a driveway type of garage underneath it. Gotcha. You can rent that out for big money, too. Oh,
0: I'm sure. And I know, like, probably about 20 years ago, like a... Just a parking spot on the street in New York City was like $250,000. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. For example, we can connect more than a million drivers with thousands of underused parking spaces across the UK, helping motorists find a better deal on their parking while allowing proper property owners to maximize their value of their spare land. Tim Downs, the senior claims manager at Lloyd Banks Insurance, said that sharing allows owners to earn money and borrowers to save money, but cautions that it's essential to have a suitable insurance in place. He commented, the flip side to benefits of sharing economy is that so many have turned a blind eye to insuring their valuable money-making possessions should they become damaged or stolen. Anyone planning to rent out their homes, valuables, or spare room should notify their insurer beforehand, or they may risk invalidating a future claim. We would not recommend renting out potentially dangerous items such as garden tools unless the owner had the right type of insurance in place to cover for accidents and injuries that may result. If in any doubt, speak to your insurer. Fortunately, insurers are catching up with consumer demand for sharing. In February, the insurer admiral announced it would be supporting car sharing by offering short-term coverage for as short t- shortest time as one hour and as little as $3. Buying less and spending more, interestingly, One phenomenon that's already being noticed is that those people who are still buying big-ticketed items are increasingly spending more on top-end model in order that they can rent it out more easily and make a return on their purchase. Chaz Englander is the co-founder of the recently launched rental website Fat Llama. It's an online platform that lets users share their belongings with neighbors to earn money or avoid buying rarely used items, and it also ensures items to their full value. He says people are buying less, but when they do, they're buying better. We've already seen users buying DSLRs and drones purely because they know they'll be able to make their money back by renting them out on a platform, much like how people have started buying properties to rent on Airbnb over the last decade. This will, in turn, mean people will buy better quality stuff. By incentivizing people to lend out their things, we're speeding up the move towards a circular economy where products are repaired and reused instead of disposed of why wouldn't you buy better quality items if they'll pay for themselves it's another income stream for micro entrepreneurs freelance producers photographers musicians djs and more are some instances doubling their mo- monthly income if the sharing economy is to be worth 18 billion by 2025 then it will have to grow exponentially during the next few years even then with a real transformation in somehow how we view ownership it is hard to imagine a world where we return return Routinely borrow money instead of buying. Just five years later, however, as the last few years have shown, disruptive technology can lead to such a transformation almost overnight,
1: which is true with gas prices. Dude, we we used um, this past season ride sharing more than I have in my life. Like we went to a bunch of you know Christmas parties, parties right. around the season, and every one of them we ride shared there and ride shared well, back well
0: you and i went out recently and we had my son drive us and pick us up right which it
1: was the equivalent of ride sharing um and it's so easy that's the that's the the thing about what we're talking about is slipping into comfortability uh, right slipping into a non-ownership position because it's just so convenient, and it's just so easy. It does cost more.
0: Oh well, giving up your freedoms with uh, with incentives is always easy. Trying to get them back, good
1: luck. Right, for you to go the other way, never to have owned a car, and to have ride shared your whole life, and then to think about, and it's a mental. It would be a mental hurdle um, if you had ride shared your whole life, and then. Thought to yourself, I could buy my own car and it would save me money. Because if you're talking about $7 for a trip one way, $7 for a trip back home, it's really I mean, $14 a day. You're talking about a $30,000 vehicle. Yeah you'd really have to do the math on that and think to yourself, is this actually worth it with the insurance, with the gas, with everything that goes into it, or do I just want to pay the $7 to go each way?
0: Well, and if you think about it in terms of our podcast, it would cost a fortune to do this if we didn't own all of our own gear. If every time we recorded, we had to rent, and or now we're we're renting our equipment out to people that we don't really want touching or messing with our equipment and no,
1: I don't want anybody touching. Yeah, my so
0: bonds. that gets into well, do they have insurance? Because you're not gonna break my gear. Oh, so now you're not qualified to rent and well you don't want to buy. I mean, it just becomes a cluster as far as I'm concerned, and it just it's not good.
1: It feels like it takes the specialness away from things as well. Like uh like your car. You know, your car is a personal item. It's something that you could sleep overnight if you had to it's a place that you can feel protected sheltered. in. it's a place that you form a bond with but if you were just getting into a rideshare car it's just a car and the same thing with renting the pet like we talked about earlier in the show
0: really that's a thing or re- or rent, what are you going to be just renting your clothes or sharing your clothes or like the uh that lady from denmark was saying while she's at work People are having meetings in, in her house? I don't think so. I don't want a whole bunch of people having a meeting in my living room when I'm not there. But you know what? And then you say, well, I'm worried about all my stuff. And then she'd be like, well, what stuff? You don't have any stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: But that's scary. Because then it's just like, well, society is going to execute you if you don't want to like let people use your place while you're not there. You're not a sharer.
1: Anti-sharer. Anti-sharer. And that starts another hate group. <laughs> i mean it's it it is it is a loss like if you're we talking about that same example you ride share to work uh you stop at the sheets or the convenience store you get your food on the way there you work your work you go home with a ride share to a rented apartment and you don't own anything
0: well think about me and steve uh we were, we've been in some areas where we needed to get a ride because it wasn't the safest area in the world for us to be. <laughs> and we couldn't get one because, uh, you know, a concert had just left out and everybody was trying to get a ride because nobody wanted to drive down in here and leave their car here. Right. It turned into a catastrophe. And guess what? The next night we drove and we were literally in and out of there and back in our hotel within 10 minutes versus <laughs> it took like two or three hours the other way. And, Owners- and, ownership and, came through
1: And a an exuberant amount of money It was a one mile ride that cost $50
0: Yep It was terrible I tried to walk it There was this bridge And then as soon as I got to it It was like no foot traffic I was like So I literally had to pay the same For me and my son $40 to go one mile across a bridge It was terrible How do you sleep at night? <laughs> so Alright we're going to jump into this next te- section Steve you want to kick it off?
1: Incredible Predictions from the World Economic Forum's Mastermind About Life in 2030. The headline to this story is from Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, the international organization for public-private corporation. He is the mastermind behind the World Economic Forum that organizes the well-known Davos Summit, The headline is a prediction of this gentleman from 2016 about the world of 2030, in a period when we all global feel the pains and challenges of an accelerated change at a massive scale in every aspect of our lives. Such a prediction will surely relieve your anxious mind, especially when it comes from such a prestigious individual. One thing I've learned in life is to attain a positive skepticism. It means to be in an endless search for answers in this grand school of life and to challenge every answer you find. That is the only way to grow and develop a synthesis from the dance of thesis and antithesis.
0: And we're going to go through some things that, uh, like a little list here, if you will. First thing we have here is you'll own nothing. And you'll be happy about it. That is an adamant one. Since the early humans, we've wanted to own something. Either a cave, land, a flock of animals, tools, furniture, a house, etc. Humans wanted to own. Like how animals mark the borders of territory. Perhaps this is an instinct that we cannot resist. It gives us the feeling of security and stability amidst the volatile, unclear, complex, and ambiguous life characteristics. Owning is like learning our back to a stone when fighting with an enemy. We avoid our basic fears and create a comfort zone. However, since the end of the gold standard and the start of the global money printing experiment at the global scale in 1971, while strengthening the USD's global reserve, money status citizens of the world have become the victims of endless debt cycle. In this system, you can print more money than the amount of gold and silver in stock, which creates inflation and more debt. The lands, mortgages, and other financial tools gave you the riches of old kings and aristocrats, but at the expense of stealing your freedom. The current system created economic slavery, a different version of the post-Renaissance slavery that came with colonization and underdeveloped cultures and nations by the technology and financially developed countries. The more you buy with debt, the worse and longer slavery is in modern terms. times. This 2030 prediction, pointing to the end of ownership, means buying everything with more debt. Moreover, if everyone will be renting from homes to furniture, computers to cloths, there will still be some owners of these goods and services. They will surely be the giant corporations that exist today or will be part of our lives soon. What if they do not let you rent anymore or increase the prices? What if you have to sacrifice your freedom to improve your credit history to continue renting? The new system could quickly end up being a control and manipulation strategy to create a new wave of unconscious slaves, who should act like good boys and girls to buy what they want. Is this not the continuity, or continuity? Is that what it- continuity? Yep. Okay, yeah, continuity of the medieval age fu- feudal system. Think about this. Would you want that? The U.S. wouldn't be the world's leading superpower. That is an interesting and strong prediction, but it's possible. Until World War II, the United Kingdom was the dominant global power, and the USA took over after the war, before England, Netherlands, Spain, Ottomans, Mongols, Persians, Macedonians, Romans, Egyptians, and Sumerians. Over the last 20 years, China has been getting stronger every year, and has become a global power. Switching to the Petro-Yan system in March of 2018 is an important sign of their rising power. By 2013, China is expected to dominate the AI industry, and to have the world's second biggest GDP. They have a lot of cash and are buying companies, mines, and properties worldwide to position them to be a global player. The world is currently a politically unpolar arena, but it's becoming a multipolar arena. After the collapse of the Soviet Union Socialist Republic, Russia has transformed its financial status and pursued its global goals. European Union has become more significant, but still depends on the U.S. for military power against Russia. Brexit is a threat that can spread to other countries. However, Germany still continues to be the dominant power in the EU and is becoming a global player each day. The
1: world is becoming a multipolar arena for sure. It's got to be the stuff they make. It's got to be the cars. I think so. I mean, as far as Germany, I'm sorry, I jumped right in there. No, I was just going to say, German made? Right. We were talking in pre-show about Germany. Germany's like the size of Texas, and yet here they are as a, a global power in the EU and the more I think about it, it's gotta be all those mercedes benz and b m w and Volkswagen's coming out of there, quality stuff like they were talking about if you're gonna buy 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 good, yeah, you're right, man. And that thing about uh the u s not being the superpower of the world, I think has already happened um financially, I think we're like three or four now it's we're we're not we're, yeah our economy's in the toilet right now, yeah, we're not what we think we are for sure. I'll take this, uh, this next one up here. You won't die waiting for an organ donor. They will be made by 3D printers. 3D technologies are becoming more available and less expensive each year. We've started printing essential parts, meat, food, tools, buildings, and even some organs. Who knows what's next? I'm sure that it would be possible to even print a human body in the future. Imagine a future world where it would be possible to print any human organ and transplant it into a patient. We do not need donors anymore. That means no one will suffer waiting for an organ, and an organ not matching the patient will not exist. That would be wonderful if only that technology could be available to everyone instead of the wealthy elite. Correct. See, that's where you're getting caught up. You
0: you can't rent an organ So you're going to have to go into massive debt to the elite to even
1: you'd be a slave. That was the Matt Damon sci-fi movie where he was on Earth. The elites were in a spaceship that was just in low Earth orbit. And there was something wrong. Oh, he he got hurt at work. And he had to go up there because they had a tube that you would lay in. And this laser would go over your body and it would fix anything that was wrong with you.
0: The same in... um in Passengers. They had that thing, too. They
1: had that, The too. well dock. Oh, nice. That thing could be part of our future.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, especially when um, Lawrence Fishburne got it, and uh, they were like, there's 281 defects. And, he's, and then he asked, what's wrong? He's like, it's a few things. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're going to eat much less meat than you do. Meat will become an occasional treat, not a staple, for the good of the environment and our health. 3D printing could help us print meat and avoid killing animals. I'm sure scientists will fix the taste. Recently in Israel, scientists printed meat, but at a very high cost, $3,000. That will surely reduce. Remember the high price of a CD, writers 20 years ago, and now they're not only old technology, but also cost less than $50 to buy a good one. As food sources become more limited, we could easily be forced to eat less and compensate with alternative ingredients and beverages. Interesting.
1: I think that's really cool. Um, 3D printed meat. I've heard of lab meat becoming less and less expensive.
0: But, but again, we run into the problem with they're talking about that people are having kids at
1: a less rate. So will that be necessary? Uh, well, I mean, there's, a global, that, there's two things. The global pandemic, which is um, taking out millions of people around the world, and also people not having as many children, and it's not just um, people deciding not to have as many children, but it's also families having less children. The amount of yeah. single children now, um, what what is a single child called? An only child? The amount of only childs out there has grown significantly. So people are having a child because they feel inertly like it's a human thing to do, but when it comes to having the second they're holding off on it and when it comes to having the third or the fourth like it was very popular to do a 100 years ago they're just not doing that anymore
0: they're not doing that anymore and you know if you look over you know just in just in our lifetime the um the availability to have the choice to not have, not carry a child anymore or not uh you know has become has become a right for people and uh I, that, I'm sure that plays a huge factor into it because there was a time, you know, back in the, I'm sure like in the sixties where if somebody wanted to terminate a pregnancy, that was something that was done like back alley or somebody knew a doctor. It wasn't readily available to, to people. But nowadays
1: it, it's, it, you can buy a pill. Right. And it happens all the time and it's socially acceptable. Um, I just, a person that I know had, uh, Early pregnancy in their lifetime, and it seemed like everybody in their support structure was telling them, "Hey, you may want to think about a termination and right and that really struck a chord with them. They were like well i can't I can't do that right, yeah, and I mean you have to do what you feel is right, but yeah, there is a limited amount of humans being produced, which is probably great for the environment. And when it comes to this, the meat issue, which I saw that lab-grown meat on a TV special, and I know that you've seen the specials with the 2 chains Most Expensivest. Yeah. And they showed the lab-grown meat. I saw it on that. And it doesn't look different. I mean, it's red meat, just like you would get from a cow. Tell you something. You get
0: hungry enough, you'll eat just about anything.
1: Right. And I think it's it's a good way to solve an issue because we really do have Uh, global warming from the methane gas from that industry correct you want to jump on this next time and then we'll just piggyback them got it a billion people will be displaced by climate change this one is an alarm signal since the global temperatures were first recorded in 1881 the world's temperature has increased by 1.2 degrees centigrade The last five years were the hottest years in history ever since we started to record in 1881. The annual average global temperature plot shows a significant increase over the previous 20 years, unlike before. This trend suggests that global warming will end with 2 degrees centigrade up by 2030, which means a significant climate change. As the weather patterns change, our civilization will be impacted seriously. If global warming exceeds 3 degrees centigrade, then it is at the point of no return for major climate changes that will devastate our lives. Scientists are trying to keep it at 1.5 Celsius by 2030, which is already a big challenge. For some, the 2020 pandemic is a human-made catastrophe to cool the world down by lowering carbon emissions, accelerating eco-friendly technologies, and reducing fossil based fuel consumption if the 2030 global warming prediction comes true then drought hunger and poverty can quickly push people to the limits mobilizing millions of people to Im- immigrate to other parts of the world where they can survive with their families many of our homo sapien brothers and sisters will definitely try to avoid innocent people immigrating to their countries because of fear of losing what they have. Therefore we need a new type of humanity with a higher consciousness, homo noeticus, the self knowing human or the wise human.
0: The, the issue that I have with when they start bringing up the global warming uh, situation to me If they're going to be going towards a you-own-nothing type of society and this and that, well, what about all the billionaires around the world that are buying up all the beachfront property? They don't seem to be too worried about uh, the oceans rising too much. And if the elite would have the information, they would probably be the only ones. And they're not stopping and buying up uh, Miami or, you know, you name your tropical location. They're not making any more beachfront property. So they're buying it up. And why would they do that if, if, if it's almost impossible to stop this global warming, which would lead to the tides rising? Question everything. There you go. Okay. So, this next one polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. There will be a global price on carbon. This will help make fossil fuels history. This 2030 global warming threat is severe. If a company or country pollutes our only home in the universe, it will be penalized for sure in a new world and soon be forced to even close and shut down. A significant portion of Tesla's profits this year in 2020 resulted from carbon emission licenses they've earned and sold to other companies.
1: The trend has has already started. I like those carbon licenses. I think that's cool. You can buy uh, an amount of money, in carbon in carbon licenses and then become carbon neutral
0: yeah, I mean I love Tesla's and uh, you know I definitely plan on getting one um, the only problem that I have with the all vehicles going electric and not having any other forms of transportation is uh, you know what if these global conglomerates these oligarchs other than you know Elon Musk because I like Elon uh, what if they put in place that you have to have a kill switch put in that car so now if you're not being the citizen that you should be well they can just turn your car off or if you're trying to you know leave that place where you live because it's it's too oppressive oh you're not going anywhere we can see that you're leaving and shut that off
1: or if you're trying to drive that car into their area correct
0: i mean it's it's it, it's scary it's scary when you don't have options and it's scary
1: when you don't have complete ownership and control over
0: what you're doing
1: so this next one here is about you you could be preparing to go to mars scientists will have worked out how to keep you healthy in space elon musk seems to have made this a big dream of his and the progress he has made with his company so far could open the path to mars a possibility for a limited number of astronauts by 2030. Mars colonization will happen for sure, as well as the colonization of Europe and Enceladus, An- the, yeah, the two moons in our solar system that are covered with a thick layer of ice above a water ocean. That will pose other threats later on, such as the differentiation of these planets and the moon's inhabitants due to a strong need to adapt the nature, climate, social life, culture, and survival challenges. So, if we're inhabiting other places, ah, man, that just opens like eight years. Yeah, that opens up so much more. And I was unaware that they have ice-covered water oceans that close.
0: Yeah, I actually did know that. That's very cool. Let's see. So, Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. Checks and balances that underpin our democracies must not be forgotten. Imagine 1 billion people moving from various parts of the world to another. Add the pressure of finding clean water and feeding 8 billion people despite global warming. Consider the p- complexity of trade wars in a multipolar world to control limited resources such as pest control, money, water, food, fertile lands, strategic logistics, corridors, etc. All these and much more can create utmost tension, triggering regional fights, battles, and wars either on the field or on the cyber arenas of strate- strategically behind the scenes. Some people say that World War three has already started and we're in it, yet This is a new type of war, as it is proved, as if to prove Sun Tzu correct. The best commander is the one who wins without fighting. In such a chaotic world, all of our ideas, well-designed, art, democratic rules, high standards, moral values will be tested in extreme conditions. It is easy to respect each other when you have when you have good income, a lovely house, two cars, good education for your children, and in a civilized city with clear rules and regulations, with most of the people adhering to them. Such a balance means stability, predictability that gives comfort to any human. Well, what if this equilibrium is broken and the ideal world is at risk? Anyone would feel uncomfortable and take action to protect herself and the loved ones like a mother bird watching her children. In such turbulent times comes the mega changes in history. The tolerance and mutual understanding in such times drop significantly and people switch to survival mode. That kind of tough time... Drop all the masks and unveil the real face of everyone, the people around you, your inner circle. You may even find yourself challenging your truest intentions and faith. Look at the pandemic's effect on the economic crisis within the first three quarters of the year. Protests increased, people rallied on the streets, and people with opposing ideas quarreled and fought. Unlike the modern top 20 or 30 countries in the world, billions of people still live with very little money, with the risk of hunger and health problems today, even in the 21st century. Many Westerners are not aware of that unless they may happen to visit these places and experience it firsthand. They are not ready for such unexpected changes in social problems. We can be as healthy as the world we live in, and the weakest chain shows our conscious level. So we better start working right now to share whatever good or useful we have in -in hand-in-hand with each other. The predictions of Klaus Schwab are pretty interesting, and each of them could very likely become a reality within the next eight years. Look at the changes in the world since the 2008 global crisis. They will give you an idea of what you can and cannot happen
1: by 2030. Uh, dude, it's, I think subtle beast's message is be an owner. Yep,
0: definitely invest in yourself and in your family. Own what you can. Uh, and when we're not talking about clutter in your home. We're
1: talking about you know, your home. That was the first time I heard the word suffocation. Yeah.
0: suffocation. I feel like I'm suffocating at our house right now. I, I mean, I'm a huge proponent. I mean, uh, at least twice a year I go through all my clothes and all my stuff and donate, um, because I don't like a lot of quote unquote stuff around, but I like owning my house. Uh, I like owning my vehicles despite the fact that they depreciate in value. Some of them, but not, not necessarily today because, um, used cars or pre-owned cars are going for more than some brand new cars. It's true. Which I think that's the first time in history, as far as my life goes. Well, it was the chip
1: shortage. Uh, the Correct. The global chip shortage, which was a transportation shortage, um, and all of it was from the pandemic. So we're seeing, as as the pandemic moves on, where the cracks are in our civilization and in humanity and what we're saying is that it may be easy to fall into the trap of convenience but is it good for you is it good for us and are we are going to allow that to happen i liked your story about donna
0: oh yeah um i have a friend uh <clears throat> her name's donna and she was born in under uh, in a communistic socialism country and when she became an adult, she decided that, and when I say adult, I mean 18, she decided that she was going to move. So she moved to Venezuela, and that was, that was before it was a you know communistic socialism country. But living there a short while, she started to see the signs of socialism around the corner. So she knew that she needed to get out of there. So she left, and she came to the United States and just in time because it went full socialism people were starving to death there in Venezuela terrible conditions but what she has to say is she sees the same signs she sees that she saw in Venezuela and in her in her birth country which I can't I can't recall that's why I'm not naming it um but she's seeing the same signs and she's telling people about it so i mean regardless of of what side you're on regardless of what your uh, you know your personal political beliefs are the ultimate goal is always to be free and to be unified as, as people. We need to stop fighting amongst ourselves just because of, uh, 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 basically, of information that we've heard of on the in, on the internet or, or on TV. You know, you always hear people say, oh, well, why don't you do your research? Well, none of us really have any labs to go do our own research. You know, we're reading and we're accepting what we feel is the truth. And, you know, in a free society, people should be able to express themselves as such Without hating on anybody else's views, because if you're a true believer in freedom, even something that somebody's saying to you that's hateful, you should always be willing to defend that right to do that. That's their right, but you know, then give me give me the same respect.
1: And you see things in America. One of the big things is the socialized medicine. Now, in a capitalistic society where we live in uh, medicine is a big topic it's a tipping point for a lot of people and i don't want to get too far into it but it is one of the starts if you take medicine and make it the same for everyone then there becomes no motivation to make it good no
0: definitely not and you don't the less government interference in your life the better regardless of what side of of the fence you're on politically even I mean, if you look at things that were happening uh, across the country, just in schools alone, whether you believe in what the schools were were mandating or not, you should have the choice either way. I support both sides. You want to do that? Great. You don't want to do that? Great. And unfortunately, that's where we're starting to lose our freedoms a little by little. We're letting other people dictate what is good enough and
1: what we believe is right for our families no matter which way and it's a small group of other people and that's why i always um and it's recently become more important in my life and i don't know if that's a microchasm to what is occurring nationally but the the bi-local um and community feel because of the pandemic more people have had to pull together in a, in a limited area geographically so I have a, a larger community feel now, and I I want to support the local um, store owners, the local shops, the, lo- the local services, the local products, more now than ever. And I think it's an important thing. Even local politics uh, have become more important. And I guess it's because I've been through two years of pandemic, been in a lockdown realized how important these things really are and how delicate the whole system really is. Absolutely.
0: And if you live, if you're a listener that lives within the United States, I think one thing that we've learned politically is that uh, voting for governor is more important than voting for the president of the United States, because then you have your rights within your states and they should uphold to your state's constitution. And, and that goes as far as even on, on a smaller platform. I, I, I hate talking politics, but, uh, you know, if you want, if you want change, uh, politically in your area, then you got to start as low as school boards and, you know, in different, uh, different associations and, and, and uh, school or, or, you know, mayors and things of that. In Townships. Nature. Township. Yeah. And, and do something about it, you know, either gripe about it or do something about it. And, uh, I don't know, but well, we just got to come together and figure out what's the best for uh, the future of the world and not stop fighting about our own ideologies and things that we believe in. Because um, you know, Lord knows, things that go on in my mind and things that I believe, uh, I know people were probably like, he's whacked, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with the fact that you think that because again,
1: that's freedom. What what um, this show and this story is saying is that well, the one thing we do know, whether or not uh, any of the other things hold true is that if we do get to this uh, circular economy and this homogenized version of you you get what we give you, it's going to be a trap for us as humans. It's It's going to be like a caged animal, but it's going to be a trap for your mind. We're not going to be able to live like that. People are going to go crazy.
0: Well, they will. And like we said in, in one of our earlier segments in the show tonight, we, we portrayed the people that didn't like the AI and the new way of living as the outsiders when really they're probably the resistance. Well, in, in, in the circumstance that, that we put it, they are the resistance trying to help fight and save you out of this slavery lifestyle, but, but where they live, if you don't rent the TV, you're not seeing it. So you don't get to see either side of what's really going on. Society has told you those people out there, they're bad. And you believe it because you have no other reason not to. That's the only information that you have. Right. Well, I think we've talked just about enough. Well, it was really interesting. Oh, it was, it was, uh, I have to say, I mean, uh, I love this topic and I want to always get this information out there. Um, Especially now, the sooner the better. That's why we wanted to do this show. But I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. And, uh, again, listen to this show and, and, and make up your own mind. Whatever you think is going to be best for you, then, then that's what you have to do. And uh, Subtlebeast supports that.
1: Pass it on. Tell a friend. Yep.
0: And until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.